This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation, welcome back to PTBN's NBA Team Podcast, as we are going to talk about a special topic for you guys. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Andrew Reich. I am joined by Adam Murray. Adam, uh, you I know that you, you were planning a trip to Canada. Then you I guess you got some dreams of the maple leaf uh, going on. You decided to scratch this show together. I have many, many, many trips. Canada, since I'm in New England, Montreal mm. is straight due north. Toronto is right over Buffalo. And then, you know, Quebec City, pure you, um, you hockey. Don't, it's funny, I was talking to Jordan Duncan because I do AEW with him. He told me there's a bridge in Michigan that goes straight to Canada. I was like, what? You know, like, it just kind of blew my mind. I mean, I'm here in the Gulf Coast. I'm on the complete other side. You know, the only border I know is the one to Mexico, and that's in Texas. <laughs> like, I was going to say the only – we got that bridge that goes right to Louisiana. Or go to yeah, right to New Orleans. You know, you, know what they, over... you know what they call the bridge on the border of Louisiana? They call it the end of the world because there's nothing but fucking water. <laughs> Right over Lake Pontchartrain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, yeah. it's just a five-hour drive from Boston. It's really quick. It's, you know, you have that I'm out of the country feel, but um, that vacation feel, but I'm not too far away. So. Is there a different culture when you go to Canada? Obviously, they have different, like, currency, and they Is have it, different... Yes and no. It's sort of like... If you were from New York and you went to the Midwest, where everyone's like, well, everyone's sort of different because midwest they have that sort of a little niceness a little more passive aggressivity as opposed to the new york hey fuck you right <laughs> up front every, you know everything everything's a little slower yeah it's sort of the same way. like if you go to toronto toronto is no different than any other city other than just the money looks different and it's the same metropolitan everything you have the same you know my um my, my father-in-law did a trip through new york niagara falls and that area and he, he in toronto and he said toronto was very very nice like, yeah, it's because it's it's like New York, but clean. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, if you took like the, you know, the the downtown of any city, but people are nicer and it's a lot less crime and a lot less. So there's some um, there's Canadian Parliament. Like, where's the government? How like the main that government? is in Ottawa. Ottawa is in between. Mon- yeah. So Montreal is directly above Vermont. Toronto is directly above Buffalo. So okay. in between, like, you know how New York has that big slopey part? Mm-hmm. If you go to that slopey part and you go straight up, that's where Ottawa would be. That's right. We should just point. call this episode Adam Murray gives Andrew Risha geography. Well, this <laughs> is sort of the part one of we are going. This is the preview for we're doing the best players of the world like we did for NCAA. So what, what was going on is we were going to do the top international players. But what we realized, and this is why we're cropping out this one for everybody for a special Canada just has a huge influx of talent, and it's pretty recent. I would say, when I say recent, I mean in the last ten to twenty years, where it's like, wow, look at all these players. It's not even twenty years. I would say it's even ten years, almost five years. Because let's think about it. When did you know we talk about how Europe became big thanks to the Dream Team in ninety two? Right. You had all the young play, you know, all the teenagers. I want to play basketball now. I'm switching over from soccer. So then, you know, all of a sudden we had that big European influx 
Um, ten years which, later, which, the early which led to Argentina winning the gold medal in Greece, which had the nightmare team on. Did you watch that Netflix documentary yet about the Redeem team? No, I did not. It's pretty good. I, I will say it's actually pretty good. A lot of raw like uh, testimony from uh, LeBron and Wade and people who were on that team. A lot of Kobe worship going on. But then again, Kobe was adored in China when he of did. Of course. That. So and uh, and. Kobe, people forget this though, and they didn't mention it at all. Kobe was also on the 2012 squad, and that squad was unbelievable. That that one had Durant and Melo was still was awesome. You remember that game where they beat? God, who did they play? They played some team and they beat them by like 80 points, and Carmelo had 37 points in 11 minutes or something like that. Didn't like they, it was all the teams pretty much. Yeah, but but they also had a great game against Spain to finish that 2012 one in London. But the one in 08, I remember that one vividly. I was up late, late at night watching live U.S. versus Spain in Beijing. It's a fucking awesome game if anybody hasn't seen it before. But yeah, Redeem Team on Netflix, it's really cool. But yeah, just to kind of get back to it, like the influx of international talent, it just got better and better as we got through the 2000s. And I want to say it also it kind of crescendoed in the late 2000s. Like I feel well, like because kinda, then yeah. it sort of peaked because you had all these players who had this European soft size, and then we'll, we'll plus play zone, and then and lack well, we, of awareness of how they do pick and roll and how they like to play and the physicality and also the different rules of international basketball. Like you could take the ball off the rim. You don't have to. You can get in the way of people trying to cut. Like there's just certain things that you can get away with. As opposed to this is the seven foot five. European slow big man, you get this Dirk. Hey, these you have like six. All these players who are like six nine, six ten in Europe, they all shoot threes. That's amazing. And then it all changed. But going back to that, you have Toronto and Vancouver. They get their teams in '95. Yeah, you know what started that, and I think David Stern did this on purpose as a litmus test. They went to the Sky Dome for the World Championships. This was after the Dream Team in '92. They had a they had one that they claimed was Dream Team too. They had the same exact type of jerseys but it was totally it was like pretty much a different crew they had like Shaquille O'Neal and Mark Price Joe Dumars it was an awesome team and they dominated but I remember they got a really good turnout in the Sky Dome and that convinced David Stern and a lot of those a lot a lot of the higher ups that they had enough capital to try to pull off expansion which was popular at the time in the late 80s and early 90s. They were expanding to like Minnesota and Orlando and Miami. And they decided, okay, let's do it in Canada. And they actually hosted the 95 NBA draft in the Sky Dome in Toronto where the Raptors played for a little bit. Well, that's why I recall that Toronto had like the largest expansion fee ever. And it sort of came out of nowhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, David Stern, the businessman, holy crap, there's this huge market that we didn't, it's completely untapped, we can get in there. So you have all this, you know, entire Canada. It was hockey, hockey, hockey. All of a sudden, basketball moved in. And, you know, you prior to that, you know, Canada was sort of like, you look at him as the small school prospect thing. You get, oh, we got Steve Nash. Well, yeah, he was just one player who was good. We found him in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but he played at UC Santa Barbara. He didn't come from the Canadian. Yeah, but that's the same small school we found him here you have you know rick fox who was from the bahamas yeah but he you know came through canada there's these few the same thing oh we found where was this kid well we found him in in montana i remember todd mccullough because he played at washington and he was the one who was playing for washington when rip hamilton hit a buzzer beater uh in the tournament i remember that um then he wound up playing i think with the 
Sixers. And he wound up having to guard Shaq in the finals and he wound up getting a deal with the Nets. And then he had to play Shaq again in the finals. <laughs> yeah, then then McCullough, he had like a, a weird, bizarre foot obsessed disorder, like a balance thing. Well, he also was like obsessed with pinball machines. I remember seeing some story about how like he loved pinball machines or something. I don't know. So um, that was the first round. And then once you see 95, you know, that comes in, you have all these kids of a certain age yeah, and then well, Toronto. You know, there was no basketball in Canada. It was just you yeah. have that one kid, the one gym. I also want to name drop this Netflix thing. It's not. I don't know if it's on there anymore, but it was a documentary about Vince Carter called The Carter Effect, and it's about the influence of the Raptors and Vince Carter being so popular in Toronto on Canadian young basketball players, mainly that's... I guess in Toronto or Hamilton. Well, that's uh, basically for Hamilton, Missagua, Toronto. That's all straight from Toronto down to Niagara. That's the, you know, greater, like you are currently in the greater New Orleans metropolitan area. Right. Even though you're nowhere near it. Right. So it's the same thing. You're just the suburbs. You're like an hour away. It's, you're, you're in the city-ish to say. But yeah, so that was all, like, yeah, Vince Carter was the, catalyst to making basketball cool in Canada. Do you think, then all this do you think it has to do with diversity in Toronto and the fact that, and I'm not trying to make it out, make too much of a big picture about hockey, but you don't have a lot of black hockey players. Like, do you think a lot of people just gravitated to basketball because it was more of an indoor sport in a wintry area? No, it's just because it's a city thing. Like okay. the, the, you know, in the winter, oh yeah, they would all play. You know, the the they play on the frozen lakes, and then they, you know, you just all you gotta do is just put a goalie net on on any lake, and then they just go out and skate. Whereas the basketball is still the the inner city, tiny little enclave, gym thing. So you have these kids, you know, and their you know uh, their families who were not accustomed to this Canadian culture of mm-hmm. hockey, and that all of a sudden, yeah, we're will gravitate towards basketball because, you know, there were some, you know, towards soccer before that. And um, as we mentioned, this all this whole international thing comes because of the World Cup is, you know, the the biggest tournament in the world. You're like, what's that? Soccer? Huh? Question mark. So <laughs> anyhow, I did, have you have you seen those commercials with John Hanna, Santa Claus? Those, they are kind of funny. Yes, yes. Where they're like rescheduled it for Christmas. And he's like, that's my schedule. (laughs) Like, but uh, I uh, let's just throw it out there. World Cup, who you got? Very, very. Uh, World Cup should be this is the Canada episode. We will give predictions later. Who's going to win the World Cup? Most likely France. Okay, good. Uh, But (laughs) the thing is like there. But here's the other thing, too, about like um, the prep circuit. Now, I remember there was this famous, like, AAU guy who got into a little bit of trouble for back payments named Roy Rana, um, that, that, uh, who was, like, really big into, like, the pipeline of getting Canadian prospects to go play for some of these big prep ones, like Finley and Huntington and stuff like that, Andrew Wiggins and uh, the Alexanders, meaning Shea Gilgis Alexander, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I remember that happening. But, like, the other thing, too, about being a good Canadian prospect and staying in a prep school in Canada is that you're kind of a big fish in a small pond. Is that what you think is sort of the game plan when you're in Canada and you become like a really, really good player up there? Kind of because the AAU circuit is not big. So you'll, if you want your kid to be a basketball player, you got to only sort of go to 
one little area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you can find somebody in the middle of nowhere, just like anywhere else. But for the most part, yeah, if he want, you know, he wants you want to do it, you got to go there. And like you mentioned with the the Finley Prep, which is just a really, really weird, weird school. Yeah, you know more about that than I do, for sure. All the players were funneled from Canada to Finley Prep. As you mentioned, there was that one guy who who did it. The school, it was just, you know, that just, you know, the Oak Hill that was in Vegas. And, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, it's they had accreditation issues and they just mysteriously just shut down one day. Like you right. never hear of a high school just shutting down. Like, yeah, we're going to close up shop and everyone has to transfer out. Yeah, I remember this happened with Amari Stoudemire, where he, like, played for, like, a million uh, different schools. Half of them didn't even exist, you know? But, like, if you look at the list of the guys that wound up going to that Vegas school from the Canadian pipeline, like Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, Anthony Bennett, yes, he was a bust, but he was a number one pick. Uh, Dylan Brooks, O'Shea Brissett, who played at Syracuse. I mean, that's there's a bunch of others that probably wound up getting a cup of coffee in the NBA that we didn't mention. Like they've had some really nice talent go through there, along with I mean, the biggest one, unless other than Steve Nash, I would probably say Andrew Wiggins and Jamal Murray, you would say. Yeah, they are. But this was, you know, this is group number one. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, you know, Tristan Thompson, Anthony Bennett, who he's, you know, was a huge um bust but you know he was a huge prospect coming in they're all born in the early 90s right so they were all part of this you know i'm eight years old i'm watching vince carter dunk holy crap so they're the first ones to come in and you know it's very odd like i said for so many people from one sort of location to all go to one school like all you know uh, just like you said pure funneling but this then canada sort of needed to just you know decide no, they didn't decide. Like, there was, you know, just, it comes down to one guy who has money. Hey, I need to make, like, a Nike facility up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's what you said with Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, I think, is, like, the first real I'll, homegrown player. I'll tell see. you the first time I saw him. So, um, we could talk about this maybe on the tail end about their international, uh, the, the country's international uh, basketball, uh, uh, how good they do in the world stage. Because it's kind of weird. On the national men's level, they've always had like they've always had shortcomings. Like they didn't even finish with the gold medal in the Americas. Like just this past like just this past fall, they've just always they've never had. Even though they've had uh, so many good players come through there who are still currently playing in the NBA, they've never had them all at the same time for whatever different reasons. However, on the lower level, the under nineteen, under eighteen, the Pan Am games. Canada always does well. They're always a pain in the ass for U.S. to beat them. And the first time I saw Jamal Murray is that I think he was playing in the Pan American games for Canada. And they were playing against a U.S. team that had all college players like Torian Prince and people like that. And Jamal Murray dominated. And I was like, damn, this dude is good. Yeah, who is this kid? You know, Because for the most part, prior to that, it was all you got to go transfer to a prep school. And then, you know, like you mentioned Amare, who came from... Um, was it Mount Zion Christian Academy? Yeah, same one as Tracy McGrady. Brandon Rush was there. 
Um, Jarrett Jack. So super, that was, super shady AAU program. They're right? all sort of like that. And, you know, Ben Ben Simmons from Australia. Well, he was at the IMG Academy in Florida. and Then he went to Monteverde, which is like yeah. the pillar now of American prep schools. Yeah. And then everybody used to want to go to Oak Hill back in the day. So that was the way to go. But then, like we said with Jamal Murray, he was the first one to go to this, you know, it's it's called Orangeville Prep. Okay. So that's the they were used to be the Athlete Institute. Now they're they were Orangeville Pet, now they're athlete. That was the you know the Nike AAU high school facility. They're all going there now. So they yeah, don't what about need a, what to. about Adidas? Is Adidas still in on any of the Canadian guys? Or did they really get hurt by that whole FBI Christian Dawkins thing? Does any of them really <laughs> fall? It's just all didn't weren't they all supposed to go down from the college recruiting scandal of five years ago? Yeah, I remember the Nike one was called EYBL. That was the name of their AAU circuit. And, but I, I think they kind of had to revamp it because of the fact that they didn't that after that whole FBI thing happened, they were like, oh, we need to keep it on the up and up and stuff like that. But the truth is, like now with NIL, I mean, that's all changed. Like the other thing, too, is that, you know, with the, the expanded nature of being able to catch any clips, any games through online and stuff like that in the 2000s. Now you can find these diamonds in the rough. If you were Steve Nash and you were like a top player in I don't remember what part of Canada did he is from Nash Vancouver. Run? From Vancouver, you're not going to see those tapes in the early 90s. That's why he wound up having to go to UC Santa Barbara. If you're Jamal Murray and you're like dominating a, a prep game, someone's going to catch it. And that's why he wound up in Kentucky. Okay, that's why I was confused for a second. He did not go to UC Santa. He went to Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Sorry about that. I apologize. I'm like, wait, <laughs> like Santa Barbara. Like it didn't register the first time. Right, I mixed up my Big West team. So sue me. But that's the same thing, you know, like, how did Lillard end up at Weber State? How did, you know... There's a few, there's a few like that that we could talk about all day long. Like, God, yeah, just the small school prospect. CJ Fulton winding up at Lehigh. Like, how? Yeah, you know? that's the same the same thing as that. And, the, you know, Canada used to be, it. okay, well, now you have to... Because, you know, yeah, because with that, like, we, you know, there were people out of, like, nowhere. Like, Kelly Olenek was in... British Gonzaga. Columbia. And yeah, yeah, he went to Gonzaga. Andrew Nicholson with the St. Bonaventure. I know he wasn't didn't wind up being a great NBA player, but he did play for a while. Yeah, he played for a while. It's just, yeah, they all came from just random places. But then all of a sudden you have now this homegrown area. Like I said, Jamal Murray came from there. Thon Maker went straight from high school to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Actually, obviously. I want to say Thon Maker played in Metairie. Louisiana for like a year. Um, I th- I want to say that like when he finished up. Um, but yeah, he, I think he got drafted by the Bucks. And yep, he was drafted by the Bucks. Traded the Pistons in the lottery. Too high. He was a developmental pick and never really developed. And just and our right. favorite, the the PTB uh, NBA team personal <laughs> favorite of Lou Dort. Yes, from who went to Arizona State. He was actually athlete, an undrafted free agent. Athlete Institute Canadian. Yeah. And then, um, you know, but yeah, now you. Here, but here's the important thing. There's a couple things that I've noticed as I go down that list um, of like the Canadian guys who kind of trickled into the NBA. Number one, um, the, the thing is that these guys, number one, they do get drafted uh, really high. Like 
there's very few times where you see guys not make it to like a big program. Even Lou Dort played at Arizona State and played in the NCAA tournament. You know, the other thing is if you look at all these names, I'll just like kind of rattle off a couple of names like Brandon Clark, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Michael Mulder played at Kentucky, Kevin Gelly played at um Florida State, Dylan Brooks played at Oregon, Trey Lyles played at Kentucky too. All these guys, Adam, regardless of whether or not they were sort of on under the radar in Canada or not, they wound up getting recruited to big time college programs, which gives them the amplified image to get drafted. And that, you know, the the high tide raises all ships analogy. Just you're now you're getting people out scouting in Canada as opposed to we need to send them all over the place. And just even now, like the kids who are getting drafted, like um Benedict Matherine. And I'll tell he you, he came example. out of no. This is just, let me just yeah. mention him real quick. He just came out of nowhere because he was from Montreal. He didn't go to the prep institute. He didn't go athlete institute, Orangeville. He was discovered at the NBA international camp in Mexico. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So he was just playing in uh, Quebec high schools. And then, yeah, I'm going to go to NBA without borders in Mexico city. Like what? You know who? Um, you know who got discovered that way, but he didn't wind up being anything. Uh, Bruno Caboclo did. Like supposedly, the story is Masai Ujiri was like the only GM who saw him and thought he was a diamond in the rough. Um, then there's the story about Giannis, but that I mean we don't have to talk about that. That's that's the that's Greece, but the story about how Giannis got discovered is incredible. That's all. Yeah, because he was just in the lower the lower levels. They made a Disney Plus movie about it, and it still sounds unbelievable. Oh, he was just in the lower levels. That's the same thing as how did, you know, Weber State, Lehigh. How are these guys? Yeah, you mm-hmm. find a person who's like, I see his talent. He's just, you know, kids who would go from JUCO to the yeah, NBA. Yeah, but once scouts jumped in on the Canadian pipeline, it was, I mean, even Gonzaga, who just made a habit out of getting good Canadian players like Robert Sacre and Kelly Olenek and Andrew Nemhart. Like, there's like, aren't there like three Nemharts? There's like RJ, there's Ryan, and there's Andrew. It's like a bunch of them. Like, there. The thing too is that the guy who helped recruit all, a lot of those internationals to go to Gonzaga was Tommy Lloyd. Lloyd wound up coaching at Arizona and coached Matherin. So you see all these kind of interconnected things with like assistant coaches and and backroom deals and it's like oh okay i see how that guy got funneled to that school well let's just you know mention how they were um how it's changed in the past we'll start with anthony bennett so 10 years Mm -hmm. number one pick number one pick kelly olenic lottery pick the following year sauce castillo eighth pick andrew wiggins first pick yep next year cousin jamal Seventh pick, Max Deal. 2018, Shy Gillius Alexander, Max Deal. Max Deal. Yep. Um, Lou Dort, we, yeah, eh, still, we love him. RJ Barrett, <laughs> number three pick, 2019. Brandon Clark. I, I love Brandon he Clark. Was, he was the 22nd pick, and uh, he was, yeah, he's. He's having a nice little. We we sort of figured out who he is. I just think he's a super efficient player. Guy. I don't. I don't. What uh, I don't know what town he came from in Canada, but he played at San Jose State, and then he played one year at Gonzaga and broke out. That's how he got there. Yeah, the old transfer to a big. Yeah, the old Seth Curry, which is now super normal because there's no transfer waiver anymore. That's a whole nother story. Uh, Brandon Clark was from British Columbia, but went down to Arizona. 
you know, British Columbia, uh, just, just to ask you about Vancouver, because we talked about two teams that made it through expansion. What Do you think that anything got messed up with the Vancouver thing, or do you think it was just not going to happen? Do you think there just wasn't enough there to have two teams? Or do you think it was just simply the fact that they just didn't have a star player that wound up in Vancouver that made made it a trade? They, they didn't have a star player, and I mean, the you whole go back situation was... I don't remember who was in charge of the Grizzlies when they first started, to be totally honest with you. But, like, I mean, let, let's say, for example, they get um, Tracy McGrady. That may have been enough. That may have been enough to get them through it, you know? Because then you have, you know, you have Seattle right across, right right down the road. And yeah, it's it just didn't take, whereas Toronto, it did, it didn't. But just finishing up quickly, yeah. last year, Josh Primo, lottery pick. He's Duarte, Dude, he, was like, he was like barely 18 when he got drafted. Uh, talk about Primo. And this year, we already mentioned Benedict, number six pick. Shaden Sharp, number seven pick. Mm-hmm. So you're getting, you know, not even high-end recruits. You're getting high-end lottery picks right. who are coming from Canada now. When That never used to be the case. So, so now it's not just like a wing and a prayer to get into the draft. It's a golden ticket. Like, if you are a really good Canadian player – not only do you have a, a shot at becoming like a premier NBA prospect, you have a good shot of being one, you know? Yeah. You're no different than being, you're the five-star recruit from Canada. You're no different being the five-star recruit from New York city, the five-star recruit from, from Baltimore, DC and, area. And I, I, I think that's changed just in general. Like I think a, this is a deep dive, but like, I think one of the things that appealed for Darko Milicic was the fact that, Chad Ford was one of the only ones who saw him and just gushed over him. So once people saw that piece, they were like, oh, my God, he's he's the he's this man of mystery. When Luka Doncic became a star in Slovenia, Adam, everyone saw him. It well, everybody was knew Ricky Rubio, how good he was. Everybody knew Ricky Rubio prior to him coming in because he played the, at the Olympics. Yeah. Right. And the thing with Darko was. He could have easily been a great player, but you put him on the wrong team. And that's what everyone said. That was a complete with their culture, their style. He did not fit in at all because he was not a ground and pound type player at all. So he was just a square peg in a round hole and became a punching line. And there be, there goes his confidence. Yeah. And another one that I forgot to mention, and the only reason to skip my mind is because I think COVID canceled it two years in a row is the Nike hoop summit in Portland. I think that is also helpful to seeing a lot of these Canadian prospects because they play with other it's inter, it's us versus internationals in the high, the high school, the top high school guys. So you'll see the Canadian players play alongside like the top German player and the top Australian player. And um, you'll see some pretty interesting stuff, you know, like where you see like um, Tristan Thompson. I remember the first time I saw Tristan Thompson was in uh, the Nike hoop summit. I was like, man, he's pretty good. He wound up going to Texas and he had a good NBA career. Well, a lot of the players got fallen to Texas from Finley prep and Texas always is known for even just anybody who goes there. You're getting a lottery pick, but they never did anything every year. That was, was, that was Rick Barnes. That was when Rick Barnes was. Now he's at Tennessee. I don't well, know. Well, even kind of had that with the Shaka era, too, of these have these awesome recruits come in and they can never put it together. Yeah, I, it's true. It's true. Like, and, and the thing is, too, like, you, I think Iowa State, when Fred Hoiberg was there, he was able to get a couple people like that. Um, you know, like, I, I know Linda Wigginton came later, but he was one of them. I'm trying to remember it. There was this other guy who came from Canada who was pretty good who played at Iowa State. And I'm, I think his name was Melvin Edgem. 
Um, I, he's not on here because he uh, he didn't wind up playing in the NBA, but in college he was really, really good. You know, there's some of those guys that just latch on when they find a good prospect and they're like, all right, and the head coach just says, all right, go get another one from out of there. And they just pluck away at him. And also siblings, a lot of siblings, like the, the Alexanders and the Nemhards. And, you know, it, it just makes sense. It makes sense to dip into the same family. Yeah, because if you have that recruiting pipeline, well, your brother goes here. You want to play with your brother, right? And Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, we, we broke this out because we, you know, the this is the preview to the international one because – we have so much like, well, who would you put in your, you know, who's the best Canadian prospect? Then? Well, I would still say Nash, right? Yeah, you'd say Nash, but then, well, we would give a top five. Who's your top five? Mm, so Nash, um, Murray, mm, kind of put me on spot. Uh, Wiggins. Wiggins is a easy choice. Um, I don't want to say Shea Gilders Alexander just yet. I know that it's not a big crop. Um, I probably put RJ Barrett ahead of him. I remember watching RJ Barrett in the under 19 games and they, he played against a U.S. team that was coached by John Calipari and Barrett like was by far the best player, like not even close. And then he wound up going to Duke. Um, hmm. Um, if I had to pick another one, I mean, Rick Fox is an easy pick, even though it was way long before, but I mean, Rick Fox was a really good player, but was he anything special? Was he better than Tristan Thompson? I'm not sure. Tristan Thompson had a very good career. So that would be the hardest one for me to choose. But Long the time. thing is, basically, the kind of the answer is, it's not, it, it's yet to come. Because mm-hmm. we even have a couple players, you know, coming down the line. We, you um, know, we got, go ahead. And, oh, yeah, yeah, they have a few. But the, the thing I did want to ask you is, like, what does... I know that they've tried to do things where, like, Steve Nash was in charge of Canada basketball. They, Leo Routens tried to run it for a good while. Now Jay Triano's there, um, he, who's coached some NBA teams before as a head coach. What do they need to do in order to get ahead in the international pool so that they can play in the Olympics again? You got to get the players to want to play. It used to be nobody wanted to play for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter what great, great people you had it was let's, just let's be real adam they had a team where they had wiggins and murray and even an older tristan thompson and they had like a system in, and trey lyles and they had a system in place that team would be fierce that team would be hard to beat also let's not forget think back just even even when they came back 10 years ago with that if you had young anthony bennett tristan thompson steve nash you could have cobbled together a decent qualifying like team if yeah. you had them want to play but these you know the canadian kids didn't want to whereas nba it was oh yeah we got lebron we got durant is it a, is it a lack of national pride within that system within that organization i don't want to say it's national pride it's just sort of more we know we're going to get mopped up. We've never played for the Canadian team ever. We've never qualified. The, the, you know, the it would be all sort of decent college players who weren't NBA, you know, European players would go there. And and also the the second unit guys who would probably be the plugins in case those got the top Canadian players wouldn't be able to play. They're not on that level of where they can probably like, I'll say this, like even France, the, who was the silver medalist in the Olympics, they barely lost to the U S in the gold medal game. If they didn't, if they didn't have Gobert and they didn't have Evan Fournier, they'd still be pretty good. Like they would still be hard to beat because you got NBA players 
all over the place for Spain and France. Is it on the level of what Spain was in 2008 and 2012? Absolutely not. Like, they're not even remotely close to the Gasol years, but they're still really good. They're for, not, Can- they're, but for Canada, they're, they're, their second unit's not good enough, is what I was trying to say. They're getting there. So, because you have this prep institute, that's their first time, you know, again, Jamal Murray, 10 years ago, maybe. So, yeah. It takes time to develop something. And and I'm looking at some of these names on the back end who have been recently picked, like Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is nice. Like, he plays with the Blazers. Delano Banton, he's like a bench guy for the Raptors, but he's an active player. Like, he's he played at Nebraska. He's a solid um, rotational player. Duarte starts for the Pacers. Like, they've got players that are going to be in the NBA for quite a long time. Exactly. So we, that's why we said sort of the best is yet to come. So we, we mentioned our top five, and it's just like, yeah, Tristan Thompson's going to easily be replaced by some 10th grader right now. We've never well, what, heard What of. about 2024 when, if, uh, you know, they always say, you know, if this guy's president, I'm going to Canada. <laughs> what, like, have you read those stories about France trying to recruit Joel Embiid because he's from Cameroon? And yeah. the U.S. trying to scoop him up. Like, what if Canada tries to do, hey, um, we'll give you this nice little spot here in Toronto if you well that's what you know most of the Eastern European players did like Turkey Georgia remember when Akeem Olajuwon played for USA I did not like that I was like man he should have why did we try to recruit Akeem Olajuwon for a team that was going to blow out everybody anyway you know there was no need for him to be on it because we know he. and not only that he played during Ramadan it was like where you, you can't eat for 20 days and it's like why'd you do that to that man you know he, we didn't need a king we had Shaq and freaking um like grand hill and penny hardaway we didn't need him you know i mean that's a that's a that's a rant for another day but like long story short what if they actually try to get some money up ponied up to try to recruit people to get canadian citizenship that would be fun that would actually be kind of interesting. It depends. It means, though, that you got to live in Canada. I mean, can you live in Canada? No, you don't need to live in Canada. Like, let's, you know, we're going to get into this with the international episode, and then I have to set you straight on many, many players. But, like, you know, remember <laughs> Shane Larkin, the University mm-hmm. of Miami player? Played. Barry Larkin's son. Yeah. He has tur- he plays for the Turkish national team because he plays in the Turkish league. You have a lot of players who go to, again, these far Eastern European countries. Well, hey, play in our playing our league here. Uh, we'll I remember some... a guy who played in uh, the, my alma mater was the university of new Orleans. They had a little guard uh, my senior year. His name was Bo McCaleb. He was a really, really good player. And he wound up becoming like a good international player. I think he changed his citizenship is what I want to say. Um, yes, he is Macedonian now. Yes. Yeah, so, and he was a very good player on the international level. Oh, and there's, he... Yeah, you yeah. play a couple years. Hey, play in our league. Hey, you want to be in our national team? We got nobody. Yeah, sure. I'll totally do it. But Canada thing. doesn't have that pro sports league. They did have the CBA, but the CDA was not the Canadian basketball. Sport. They have a Canadian a league that's very terrible. Not terrible, but uh, very local. Very. And there small. is a college there. They have their own. They do have their own college championship for men and women. It's definitely a smaller pool. But there's this one school. I don't. I'm. I'm sorry that I don't have it. They. There's a one specific school. It might be called Bellarmine, where they just dominate and win almost every single year the Canadian college championship. But even if you look at the top players that come out of uh, Bellarmine, like they, they're not like. They're not like household names. It's just the fact that they're just the best among the crop that live in Canada. It's almost like it's almost like if you have like a basketball circuit in Alaska and it's like, well, yeah, but the best player that comes out of Alaska is not going to be, 
they might not even be remotely close to like a, a top tier NBA player. That makes any sense. Just, just for reference, Bellarmine is in Kentucky and is part of the SoCon conference. Okay, I'm wrong. What is the name of that <laughs> freaking? What is the name of that school in Canada? You're gonna have to. Someone's gonna have to fact check me. Uh, oh, no. I, um, it's not St. Thomas. Okay. <laughs> now we're just fact checking each other during the show. But we're um, just wildly guessing. But no, there is a. There actually is a college national championship for Canada. There really is. Um, I, the only one I can think of is just the. I know. I don't know whether it's an athletics one. It's just the. Um, I know in in in. The Montreal, it's uh, McGill University is their big yeah. sort of huge. And is that the one that winds up playing a lot of the college programs when they do their trips? To all the trips to Canada? Yeah, like when they do a trip to Canada, sometimes McGill will play against them. And sometimes McGill will win. Possibly, if it could. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't take too much stock into whether or not a college program loses to an international team. I mean, didn't the Suns just lose to the Adelaide 36ers? I don't see the Adelaide 36ers joining the NBA anytime soon. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed us trying to remember things from Canada, which we'll be completely wrong about. And every. Well, Canadian. you're closer to the north than I am, so you're you have much you have a much better idea. The, of the fact that on. you know any Canadian players' names now is a lot more than we had prior to this. But the um, thing, tr- conversation, but the truth, conversation, I guess. Is, so that's. But the truth is, to wrap it all up, we're gonna have to learn more names because I don't think that pipeline's slowing down, especially the fact that the Toronto Raptors won an NBA title in 2019. Like, people, there's a kid that's in that stands watching that, saying, "I want to be that guy." I want to be Kawhi Leonard. You know. Knowledge is power. Yep. All right. For Andrew Reese, I'm Adam Murray. Have a good one. Take care.